0: This is Geek Gab with your host, Dornall and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back, Geek Gab, for Saturday, August 6, 2022. Dornall, how was
1: your week? Dude, I'm pumped. It's been a great week out in uh, the Great Northwest. Our heat wave is over back to normal so I uh, have a backlog of yard work to get to. Also in other good news uh, I joined the Trollopolis nerds for a game of d d this week. Fun was had. I don't, uh, I don't have much else to say except that sometimes you get lucky and you show up when everybody collects a 30,000 gold uh, windfall I do regret being multi-class though because I otherwise I would have leveled
0: I uh, yeah I stumbled into that too with a multi-class character <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, but yeah it was good it was good to roll some dice get an, an under the table again I uh, the inimitable daddy Warpig was our dungeon master for the evening. Really appreciate that. It was fun. It was like old times.
0: I have, uh, we have now like four irregular DMS, uh, running different things in different places. So, um, if we need, uh, anybody who needs a break can, uh, take a break or anybody who wants to run brian is still our our main gm and he's running things most of the time but uh occasionally um macho mandolf uh will run something that's in uh his domain and uh um when they can i'm really really insanely busy so when i have time uh then i will run something on the uh, island of bomb um which we've talked about before so if you've listened to the show before you know it's a uh, it's a uh, pirate cities and uh weeb fleet city on uh this giant unmapped unexplored highly dangerous jungle
2: island so
0: yeah, well, I've and been, been
2: uh, keeping up with my uh, my Sunday night game, um, not John Dacre, um, the uh, currently in Long, Florida um, and uh, uh, fighting with the different factions who are trying to uh, take over the <coughs> um, post-apocalyptic wasteland that is Florida after after the apocalypse. And we have the the Jebites and we have the the, oh, well, there he is now. Uh, The the Desantites and the uh, Buffites factions and and we're having a grand old time uh, pitting them off against each other in the uh, yes, the Empire of Long Florida is awesome. and in the uh, in the hopes that we'll be around to pick up the pieces after um, the uh, <clears throat> the fighting is done, we do we do a fair amount of that. Um, we we just uh, confuse um, John's NPCs to the point that they start fighting each other, and um, it's fun. Where are the mouse? Where are the mouse cultists? That's a good question. That's that's an excellent question. We haven't. We've been. We've been staying uh, in the in the Gulf region. We haven't actually um, uh, made our way down to the ruins of Orlando, but that might not be a bad idea. Um, it's Orlando, I love it. But that's. Yeah. It. That and and somebody who I will not name, uh, gifted me with the the Steam um, version of Civilization Five, which has basically just eaten my brain, and and I feel bad because I'm going to have to tell uh, Kursova I'm sorry I don't have anything to submit to you this period because I've been playing Civ Five obsessively. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like college all over again yeah I, well, I, gonna... I never went to college um i worked there but i didn't go there um...
1: well let me tell you what there's lots of well i was going to do my assignment but i was playing quake 2 the whole time
2: <laughs> uh, hi john be... Daker.
1: yeah lots of great people in the chat john Daker is one of our uh, uh one of our fans and we live here in about long florida and you guys aren't playing dungeons and dragons though you're playing adventure conquer king right
2: yeah, A uh, A C K S. Uh, if that's what that stands for. Um, yeah, acts. Which is very similar to the way I remember original D and D, and and of course I am I am not just d and D purist. I am a, a uh, retro. Um, I I don't like the hardcover books, D and D guide. So. Um, you know, I played with the little white books and the little cardboard box and swords and spells and Greyhawk and <clears throat> get off my yard. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, so you're uh, you're not you're not OSR,
1: you're OS. I'm OS. <laughs> like you're OS. You're, you are the you are the people that the OSR are attempting to are. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
2: I, mean, I am you, I am the people you and that, folks
1: like Rick Stump. Or just Grognard's
2: been around forever. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, some people adapt to change better than others, um, and uh, and I hate and fear change. Um, by gum, if it was good enough for me to play in 1979, it's good enough to play today. Uh, so. Um,
1: um. Well, we, we should probably introduce you. I, I I know we've got more stuff to talk about, but uh, uh, since you're so into the uh, gaming, uh, welcome back to the show, Misha Burnett. We're gonna talk about all your all your writing and, and what's going up new today. Uh, really excited about that, but thanks for joining us.
2: Uh, well, thank you. Um, I don't know. Yeah. And that's, that's the part I, before the show we were talking about, oh yeah, I've, I've done a bunch of these. I'm good at them, but you know, that's the one that always stumps me where they say, introduce yourself. And, and, you know, my, I'm, I'm always like, uh, my name's Misha. I'm here to fix the plumbing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have no business being a writer. I have, I have, you know, um, I, I, <clears throat> I'm a high school dropout, uh, you know, uh, I'm uh, uh, basically been been kicked out of of you know, I, I did work at a university, but I worked at a university doing maintenance. And um and you know, I I just uh spent a lot of time in libraries when I was homeless. And and you know, I think, you know, that's probably my uh, my literary background is that uh well let's see what uh what shelves in the public library were closest to the bathroom so that uh you know I I'd, I'd grab those books um, uh just you know I don't have a literary tradition I just uh I write stuff because my head's wired that way and um and I've been doing it for a while now, I guess my first uh, first novels, because when I first started writing, I thought novels were what you were supposed to do. Um, been like 15 years uh, ago that I self-published my first one. And um, um, I've just been kind of making it up as I go since then.
1: Uh, that's actually, I, I don't know if that's that's the the centerpiece there, but the homeless author, I think you can get a, that sounds like a good
2: blog name. I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm not anymore, thank goodness. You know, uh, I, I've, I've actually, it was kind of wild. Uh, some years ago, I realized, hey, you know, my, my driver's license and uh, my bank checks and my physical address all have the same address on them, you know? Um, <laughs> yep i'm actually actually turned into a square citizen somewhere along the line i have no idea how that happened but i i like it it's it's nice you know um i've been in this house long enough that you know i've been i'm looking at at temporarily relocating for uh, a job opportunity and i'm just like where did i get all this stuff where did where did this stuff come from you know i've got I've got books. My God, have I got books? Um, what am I going to do with all these books? Um, so, uh, so yeah, and that's and that's something that um, that I keep coming back to is that uh, yeah, I don't think that the the uh, traditional publishers' um, strategy of marketing to rich people in Manhattan exclusively uh, has turned out all that well for them. Um, you know, I write for ordinary people. I write for the guy that, uh, that, uh, fixes the washing machines in a laundromat in Duluth, Montana. You know, um, I, I write for blue collar people. I, I, somebody was asking me about, uh, you know, how I would characterize myself. It's I, I'm blue collar word, weird tales. I'm I'm, uh, you know, uh, a working class Ray Bradbury. Well, Ray Bradbury was working class, actually. Um, so, <clears throat> so I, I, I don't know. I I I I'm rambling. Um, feel free to interrupt and tell me to stop.
1: <laughs> well, no, I, I I heard you I heard you uh, begging for help there a moment ago, and I thought, no, I'm going to let Misha just hang in the wind uh, about that. I'm just thinking of that that uh, would you say the blue collar Blue collar weird tails. Blue collar weird tails. Um, yeah, I, I Daddy wore pigs off mute. Uh, did you have another uh, question or something to talk about before we talk about uh, blue collar weird tails?
0: Already? you're throwing in the towel already. I'm done. <laughs> gone to me already on to
1: you already. It's one of those days.
0: This is a bad son. You don't usually go to me until we're like 11, you know, to, till we're like 45 minutes into the show. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing. You can't hear me laughing because I'm laughing deep in my chest. That's a hearty laugh. No, oh, I just okay. uh, I wanted to point out that uh, as I point out every single time he comes on the show... Um, Misha Burnett is the creator of the Eldritch Earth Shared World um, setting, which we be, which began with a story in the first issue of Kersova, and I believe the fifth issue of Kursova was dedicated entirely or uh, to Eldritch Earth stories. It is a combination of sword and sorcery with uh, some... Lovecraftian influences, and I have thoroughly enjoyed it. So uh, they are excellent, Misha's stories are excellent. The stories from the other contributors have all been great. Um, and one of them, whose name I can't remember, and I apologize so much for that, uh, is still writing them and they're still being published in Cursova. So- um,
2: Louise Sorensen. There yeah. you go, folks. Louise Soros and the Darla of Diodant. I don't know. I've I've kind of prodded her about uh, collecting all of the Darla stories into one volume. I don't know um, if she's uh, if she's going to be doing that. But uh, but she's got five or six stories about the one character. Yeah, she kind of took the uh, took the setting and ran with it, which is what I wanted. I mean, it wasn't my setting to begin with. I, I appreciate you calling me the creator of it, but <clears throat> basically what I did was I, I said, what if you took an Edgar Rice Burroughs character and stuck him in an H.P. Lovecraft world? And I don't mean modern Lovecraft. I don't mean the the stuff that gets booted around as Lovecraft today. I mean, the, the, you know, old ones... Uh, on Earth before prehistory, before you know the this goes back to like the Cambrian pre-Cambrian era, uh, with with shagas and old ones and and uh, uh, all sorts of you know way way back before um, before Samaria or any any of that you know uh, Pangea, the world's one continent, the oceans are fresh water. Um, 365 million years ago, basically, yeah. So, uh, so it's fun, it's uh, uh and and oh. I uh, it all started with the first call for Sword and Planet from Kursova, and and I'm like, What's Sword and Planet, you know? and I'm like. Yeah, I, he's talking Edgar Rice Burroughs. He's talking, um, you know, um, that kind of uh, action adventure, and and I just thought, well, you know, I've always I've always loved um, uh, Lovecraft's prehistory. You know, the, the at the Mountains of Madness, uh, the Shadow Out of Time. Um, little bits in scenes in the witch house and um, or dreams in the witch house, music of Eric the uh, some of the uh, some of the references in his Dreamland stuff, of of way way prehistory, and I thought, well, I'll just put you know human beings in there and throw them in with the rest of the mix and see what happens. Um, so yeah, I uh, I like it. Really resonated, didn't it? It did actually. I got a number of people who who and and you know I don't want to have ownership of it. I don't want to have uh, stewardship of it. And I and I say this, you know, every time somebody brings it up. If you want to write a story in in the the far far ancient world and reference that stuff, go right ahead. It's not. It's not my world. It's not my. Um, uh, it's not my sandbox, you know, it's, it's anybody who wants to play in it. Um, and that, that gets onto another one of my many, many hobby horses that I was talking about, you know, before the, before the show, I don't, I, I think that this whole legally bound, uh, legally uh, tied up IPs, intellectual properties, Is just hamstringing fiction because, you know, used to be, uh, you know, Arthur Clarke would write a story set in Marsopolis on Mars. And then Isaac Asimov would, you know, shamelessly steal that city and write a story set in that city. And nobody, nobody, got the lawyers involved nobody said oh my god you're stealing my ideas and and i mean so many things that um uh, so many concepts that if i mean what if hg wells had copyrighted time travel you know um what if uh what if you know mary shelley's estate said oh no you can't write anything about you know, somebody manufacturing a creature out of the pieces of corpses because it's it's copyrighted, you know? Um, all of science fiction is stolen. All of fantasy is stolen, you know? Um, mm. Oh, you can't write anything with elves in it or the Tolkien estate will, will sue you. Uh,
1: yeah, and it's it, it's sort of, there's a there's a line there, and and I totally get the reticence and and how it's upsetting because, you know, creatives do shamelessly steal from each other. It's it's not supposed to be a big thing, but um, there are also a lot of people who turn it into a business. And uh, in fact, for a lot of writers, the goal is to create that licensable IP. Right. And and that's stifling, probably. Uh, but that's where people, you know, like I guess they're coming at it from the, the wrong direction, perhaps from your perspective. Right. Like they're trying to, you know, run a business first rather than uh, create.
2: Well, it's not even so much. I mean, you, you look at the business world. <coughs> Mercedes Benz developed the, the airbag. OK, did not. Did not copyright it. Did not patent it. They just said, "Here's the technology. Everybody, um, every anybody can use it." You know, um, and and that ended up doing them good in the long run. Um, you know, if I b- design a widget, I want other people to be able to um, design stuff for that widget. It's like it's like the the whole Apple. PC thing way back when when uh, when Apple was saying oh no 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 you can't use you can't design write any software for our operating system you know without facing the seven tests of death and and becoming a licensed and whereas the the uh, the MS-DOS operating system they're like oh yeah anybody can anybody can write a program for this. And consequently, um, you know, you had, you had, you know, Apple fanatics, but most people were, were like, no, I'm going to use, I'm going to use uh, a, a PC um, clone of some kind and, you know, get whatever software I want and be able to modify it any way I want. Um, and the deal with copyright and, and, and Raleigh, whose name I hope I, I'm pronouncing correctly, is uh, is talking in the chat about, <clears throat> you know, if it's my words, if it's actually the words that I wrote and or somebody else wrote in the sequence they were written in, yes, that should be protected by copyright. <clears throat> but it is the the penumbra of copyright has expanded to the, it's like when. Uh, um, whatever company wanted to um, sue people for using the phrase space marines. Come on, you know, the space is is an open concept. Marines are something that every country in the world has. You can't say space marines are, you know, a, a protected trademark concept, you know. Um, I will call them, you know, uh, vacuum musketeers, if that makes you feel better. But, uh, but the, the ideas are what need to be free. Um, a lot of, uh, a lot of the stuff in my novels was shamelessly stolen. Yeah. Games Workshop, um, was shamelessly stolen from, from William Burroughs, um, you know, Nova, the, the Nova crew and the blue metal boys and the Ambemors and all that stuff. Um, and, and, you know, my, uh, I, I basically stole the Cenobites from Clive Barker and filed the serial numbers off them and used them. Um, so, uh, I don't think any of these people are going to sue me because none of these people have ever heard of me, but, um, but it's the, the ideas. once you, once you write a story and you have a, a concept in it, you have a, you don't own that anymore. If you want to own it, keep it in your desk drawer, you know, don't, don't publish it. Uh, so
1: that's your philosophy, of course, when, uh, you know, developing your, your weird earth and you're right. You're not writing about that, that Lovecraftian, uh, prehistory, but you are keeping it weird. And I want to steer towards uh, your current project, which honestly sounds really exciting to me.
2: Uh, well, it's it's called An Atlas of Bad Roads. And, and I always like to say some years ago when I realized that focusing on short fiction was what I wanted to do, um, I wanted to set myself a benchmark. I wanted to do three collections of my own stories. I wanted to do one fantasy, one science fiction and one horror. And this is the third of them. This is the horror. I did the fantasy collection, uh, dark fantasy for baby Katie media, who does story hack magazine. Uh, I did endless summer for, uh, Kersova, And now I'm doing an Atlas of bad roads for Kersova. And, uh, and it's 16 stories, it's um, 16 poems that are not, I've paired this, the poems and the stories, but they're not, um, um, not taken from them. It's just, I tried to, to match up the mood of, uh, of each. Um, it does include five of the stories that were originally published in um, um, Dual Visions because Dual Visions is out of print now. So those stories are now available in an Atlas of Bad Roads. Uh, some of them that have been previously in different magazines or um, collections, some of them are entirely new. Uh, I've never seen them in the light of day before. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited about it. I, I, I feel, and I always feel this way. And, and And I think it's important to always feel this way when everybody says anybody asks me what's, what's my favorite project or what I, what do I am I most proud of having been worked on? And it's always my current project. If, if I'm not raising the bar each time I publish, what's the point, you know? Um, so I always try to push things a little farther, uh, um, go a little stranger. <laughs> um, so yeah, and 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 Alex is is really behind this, um, and uh, Raleigh saying we were both trying to revive the short story. I yeah, and that's that's a big deal for me. Um, I don't think the the um, I don't think the idea that oh people don't want short fiction. I don't think that's true. I think it's. Big traditional publishers didn't like dealing with short fiction, and so they tried to tell people, "Oh, you don't want this." But uh, but if you look at the, the the strong literary movements, not just in genre fiction, but throughout, have always have always had their genesis in short fiction. Uh, the whole cyberpunk movement, the cyberpunk movement would not have happened if it weren't for For example, Omni magazine for, you know, there were markets for well-paying, good, slick markets for um, for short fiction in those days. And that's uh, that's where where the movement grew up, you know, Um, and and, you know, the the um, the new wave um, movement, which I consider myself the spiritual descendant of. Uh, in the 60s and 70s, um, in large part because slick magazines were were s- publishing science fiction short stories. If you look at um, uh, Harlow Nelson's, any of his collections, and you look at originally published in, and you've got, you know, Red Book, you've got Playboy, you've got um, Better Homes and Gardens, probably. I mean, you've got uh, the, the frontline, uh, you know, corner, corner of the newsstand, um, big business magazines were publishing, um, short fiction. And, and that's, that's where, I think that's where, where movements begin, um, and, uh, and yeah, there's you can look at okay, you know, uh, courtroom drama is is uh, one genre that I can think of that is almost exclusively novels. Um, but um, a reoccurring cast, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, in between playing Civ Five, the uh, the short story that I'm working on right now is another. Um, Uh, another one of my Eric Ruger stories, um, the hero of bad dreams and broken hearts. Um, So, yeah. And, and, you know, we've got, we've got mongoose and meerkat, um, which I should be uh, once again, if the post office cooperates, I should be getting my volume two of that pretty soon. Um, Is, um, you know, and, and yeah, Sherlock Holmes, probably one of the most famous literary characters of all time, um, was a recurring character in a bunch of short stories. Uh, uh, Now, I will say uh, this collection, and this was a question that came up in one of my other interviews. um, These are all standalone stories, and I think horror, it's important to... um, It's very difficult to do a continuing horror character. Um, As I was, you know, in my misspent youth, I absolutely loved Kohl's the Night Stalker. But if you look back at it, um, you know, Monster of the Week just got silly. Um, And uh, hopefully my roommate's still asleep and she won't hear me say this, but Supernatural got silly. Um, It... (laughs) Yes, everybody, everybody loves, uh, uh, moose and not moose. And, um, uh, but, um, uh, but the thing is, is that, that, you know, you, you get somebody who runs into a werewolf and it's a shock. It's, uh, you know, oh my God, you're, you're suddenly encountering the uncanny, something that can't be explained. Um, you do it again. It's not a shock again, you know, um. So uh, so these yeah. stories, like I say, because, because of the, the, the genre, because of the tone and mood, these are all, you know, individual, not connected.
1: Uh, the, uh, uh, but, but the theme, they, they all share the
2: theme? Uh, yeah, yeah. They, they, uh, in my introduction, I talk about getting lost. And and why so many horror horror movies start with uh, you know somebody who's driving across country or driving across the state or whatever and there's a bridge out or they take a wrong turn and they end up getting lost and um, and that's that's kind of where the the title came from kind of where the the concept of that. Uh, that you know in between the spaces that you go to and 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 the places you want to be um off the beaten path anything you know once you 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 take uh some unlabeled exit from the highway and you never know what you're going to run into and uh and that's kind of where hello back um that's kind of where um that if I had to characterize the stories they're about what can happen when you get lost, don't leave the path. (laughs) Like, uh, like in the Hobbit, you know, when they're in Mirkwood, it's the one thing they say, don't leave the path. And sure enough, they leave the path. And, um, and this is, you know, don't, don't get off the highway. Don't, uh, don't stay. I, I mean, Get out of the the lighted area because once you do, you don't know what you could be okay. in for anything out there. Uh, and as somebody who spends not so much time anymore, but used to spend a whole lot of time driving, um, in uh, in pre-COVID days, my roommate and I would go from St. Louis to Memphis for lunch. Um, there's a the best barbecue place in the world, by the way elwood shack in memphis the little hole in wall place next to all those and so we drive down there for lunch and then we drive back it's about four and a half five hours each way um <clears throat> but it's it's i i like highways i like driving i like you know i live in the midwest i'm i i i tell people that if if the united states of america was a talisman board game i live on the crown of command um that reference over my geeky head geeky for everybody, but
1: uh, <laughs> I haven't played
2: Talisman in years and years. Right. Yeah. But I'm like right smack in the middle of the, you know, and so, uh, and so, you know, in, in two days, I can get in any, get anywhere. Um,
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. That's, that's great. Uh, I love the, and even though it's a pretty simple, like this cover, Uh, And if you're watching YouTube, I got the Kickstarter page up, which shows the cover, Uh, even though the cover is sort of this really strange, it's just a backwards atlas, right? But it lets you know exactly what you're into. Like, you don't need any creepy imagery or anything to just to evoke that concept that you've left the beaten path and you know, you're not in Kansas anymore.
2: That's before. actually, a, a scan from, um, the, the map book that I use in my car, um, uh, stains and all. And, uh, <laughs> uh, because when I, when I came up with the idea and I pitched it to Alex and Alex was like, he likes that he, he wants to, to do an imitation of, of a Rand McNally Atlas book. And, uh, and I said, oh, I've got a, I've got those in the trunk of my car. And, uh, um, and he said, well, you know, scan one and send it to me. And he actually flipped it because he liked the stains that were on one side and he wanted to – and then after he flipped it, he's like, you know, I kind of like having the backwards writing on it. But that's, um, that's like central Missouri there, um, I think – is uh is where that uh that is taken from
1: um i i don't know central missouri but i i can catch a few sullivan bourbon bell there's there's some names in there saint right. Clair that might be familiar to you yeah uh, oh i love it i i think it's i think it's really cool um full disclosure i already backed it um I I think a, a little a horror anthology with that sort of theme it would be right up my alley, and uh, right up the alley of uh, a couple of people I know actually. Um, so did I, but so did I. Full disclosure: DW is on the Atlas. Well, I appreciate um, that, uh, and
2: and I got I gotta. I, give a shout out for the way that, that Alex runs the Kickstarter, because he set the, uh, he set the goal so low that, you know, we actually, uh, hit the, hit the target goal in like two hours and hitting the goal that fast moves you up on the algorithm and Kickstarter. I mean, he knows how to work this stuff. Um, and, uh,
1: like, I think this was before the show, like we were talking about Alex, like he's, he's serious. He's not, he's not messing around. He is into making Kursova and all of his projects work.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, and I think, you know, in, uh, in 20 years, when they're talking about the, the roots of uh, early 21st century literature, he's, his name will be coming up. Um, so, um, uh, and I've actually met him in person. He's a very reclusive person, but he happened to be doing a, uh, he mentioned that he was doing Comic-Con in, um, uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. And once again, I drove down there, uh, drove down there, had a conversation with him, turned around, drove right back. Uh, but, um, but so I, I, I feel like I'm one of the favored few who has seen the mysterious Alex from Cursova. Uh And you will never never get any information from me. I will take it to the <laughs> grave. On pain of death. On pain of death, yes. Uh, so,
1: <clears throat> right. Yes, very, very mysterious fellow, uh, but awesome. Uh, we love, we love talking to him. We love seeing all the projects that he comes up with. Um, and it looks like he's done you really well on this one, uh, an Atlas of Bad Roads.
2: Yeah. I, I, once again, I should have the proofs, but the post office has not cooperated with me. He's got his copies, but I haven't gotten mine. Um, they're, they were supposed to get here yesterday, but, um, but anyway, uh, from what he sent me, the PDFs and I've looked them over and, and, you know, his book design is always really good. Um, we talked about, you know, because this contains both, both fiction and poetry doing different typesets and, um, and that kind of stuff. But, uh, but it's always real professional looking stuff, even, even from the very beginning of Kursova, the, the full color cover and the, the typeface and, and the little descriptions on the tops of the stories, everything just, um, he's got a look. He's got a, and it's a look that I really love. And that's why I've, I I keep coming to him and and begging him to do my projects um, is, um, is that, that it's, it's quality stuff. I have, I'm looking at them right now. I have the first 10 issues, first edition hardcover, Slip cover that uh, that I intend to uh, leave to my children in order to, uh, you know, fund their fortune. Um, but uh, I figure one day they will be incredibly valuable. Um, sadly, not likely this week, but.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's I hope so, too. Uh, uh, you mentioned like the making of early 21st century literature and there, I think there's something to it. Um, the stuff like the work that you do, the work that Alexander does and and everybody, uh, this, this whole ecosystem, like you mentioned in previous interview, you said that this is the fourth show you've done
2: promoting this work. I have done more promotion on this than ever, you know, and, and I'm not, I'm kind of, um, not good at talking. (laughs) So
1: I either (laughs) talk
2: too much or I stay quiet. Um, I I don't know how to have a conversation. So, um, so this is really pushing my, uh, my comfort level, but uh, this is a project I I agree with and and I believe in. And Alex asked me if I'd be willing to open a vein and, and be on all these different podcasts and I'd be like, yeah, I'll do it for you. I wouldn't do it for anybody else, but I'll do it for you. <laughs> well, you're doing it well, you've for been you on too. Our show before, so I have been on your show before. That is true. That is true. Yes, um, but um, but I'd forgotten. You know, it's it's it, it was such a traumatic experience for me. I kind of blanked it <laughs> out. Um, we get
1: that hey, What lot, did I do actually. that Saturday? Nothing. <laughs> that Saturday was a blank. Turns out, you just you hung out online and chatted with a couple of folks on a show.
0: Brutal, brutal, vicious folks on a show. Uh, Everything goes, man, I shot that conversation right in the head. It <laughs> was,
1: <laughs> it, you shot it in the head as it was leaping off the cliff. Uh, maybe, Misha's, <laughs> maybe Misha's onto something as far as the conversation goes, but that's okay. Uh, this, this is my job. To keep things going and i really want to know more about so so i mentioned that full disclosure earlier because like i'm sold i mean even even though i know the substance is going to be good because you're a quality author um like the style alone was enough for me but let's get some substance um you've mentioned that they're horror stories about getting lost or anything like that uh, do you have any other teasers or description that someone who maybe isn't convinced yet like, why would they look into this collection of
2: horror short stories? Well, because I'm all over the place, um, and uh, and that's something that um, this is. My my goal was to um, produce something for your lunch hour. You know, these stories are are short; they're self-contained. They have regular endings, you know, um, you can sit down and, and read each one and a half hour. They're not connected. They're not. So figuring out what's going on in one story isn't going to help you with the next one. Um, the rules change every single time. Um, they're, I think they're accessible. I think they're, I, I, I mentioned, uh, you know, being a blue collar guy. These are about working people. These are about Um, no college professors, no, um, writers, no, these are electricians and carpenters and plumbers who are, you know, just doing their job and something horrible comes out of the woodwork and, uh, and they got to deal with it. And, um, and I think they're fun, uh, for, you know, particularly dark (laughs) levels of fun. Some of them are pretty bleak. I do have the occasional, if not a happy ending then an ending where everybody doesn't die. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a mixed bag. It's a uh, it's a sampler because there's so much that fits under the broad category of horror, you know um, there's it's it's
1: and this this sort of comes reminds me of the conversation we had uh thursday night about short fiction um which you weren't a part of but going back to bringing back the short story this is the sort of thing that someone would listen to at work as a podcast or an audiobook like uh, maybe a true crime podcast or a um like a creepy pasta reading on the internet or something like that this is this is written form. This is just, if, if you like that sort of short fiction that's been on the internet forever, like if you want to know where the market for the short story is or the short fiction, like they've been there this whole time. They just get it mostly for free on the internet. Uh, but what you're offering here is sort of that, just a pocketbook of those types of stories that you can enjoy um, you know, reading to yourself or, or in the quiet. So if, if you like that sort of quick or bite-sized horror or or maybe a, a creepy feeling or that you know that shiver that you get, uh, this would serve you. Is is that an accurate statement? Yeah,
2: yeah. And um and it's funny because I've been thinking about, you know, uh when you were talking about creepypasta and <laughs> you know, these are the kinds of things that um that people would would tell the kind of stories that people would tell the new guy at work you know it's like um um in in uh what was a return of the living dead and uh there's the the scene at the very beginning of the film where the the new kid is is asking the old hand what is the weirdest thing you've ever seen Guy says, well, I've seen weird things come and I've seen weird things go. But I got to tell you, the one thing that beats everything. That's the these stories are the stories that follow that conversation. Oh, nice.
1: You know? Now that gives me a vivid picture of what to expect. Uh, like whatever you do, you know, I know you've got to go out on the road this, you know, this week. Whatever you do when you're out at this part, you see the sign, don't turn. Because the last guy who did that,
2: awesome. Yeah. And, uh, and I've, got, uh, you know, I, I've got one about uh, a maintenance guy gets a call in the middle of the night, and there's an alarm going off in this building, and nobody can figure out where the alarm is co- originating from. And they find a tunnel under the building that nobody knew was there, and a locked room off of this tunnel and uh you know it's that kind of thing it's the kind of thing that and that's i believe that uh that not just horror but also adventure fiction as well um is what happens when you're not looking for it you know and that's that's the once again i i'm not I don't do anything new. I just redo old stuff. And, and so many of the old uh, adventure stories uh, there was the guy that, uh, you know, I was on a tramp steamer coming out of new Orleans, going to South Africa and, you know, the storm came up and, you know, nobody goes looking for it. Nobody's, you know, and I, I think that's the, 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 continuing character the professional monster hunter loses that um you know i i write about just ordinary joes that that run into this shit that uh that you know they're minding their own business they're trying to get their job done go home go to bed and you know eat a pizza watch some tv that's all that's on their mind they're not thinking you know about uh cosmic issues or the the Things
1: that they haven't we'll been sent here. by they haven't been sent by A.D. Skinner to investigate
2: the latest X file. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. It's. Uh, and that, I think, makes it more impactful because it's the kind of thing you think, well, shit, this could happen to me. You know, that's the the you know, the I, what I want to leave people with is a creepy feeling that when, you know, <sighs> They're the last person in the office and they go down the hall to pick up new paper for the copy machine. They're like, Oh shit. I remember this story. I don't want to do this. You know, that's Mm. the, that's the kind of feeling that I want to leave people with. That's the kind of, of uh, you know, uh, when you go out to the parking garage to get in your car, I want you looking over your shoulder and listening for sounds and the echoes as if something is stealthily moving in the darkness you know um this could happen to you you don't and that that goes back to the whole chosen one trope that i hate so much you know um you know and adventure whether it's you know darker horror or adventure or just the regular um you know swashbuckling style um it should it it should be democratic. It should be available to anybody. You know, um, you don't have to be somebody special to to go to Barsoom. Um, yeah, John Carter. Yeah, later on in the in the later books, it kind of made him more of an archetypical, you know, out of time sort of character. But uh, in the beginning, the the first. He was just a guy doing his job, you know, Um, and uh, uh, Pellucidor, you know, uh, the land that time forgot. Those those are all just uh, just ordinary. I want to give. I want to give adventure back to ordinary people. I want. uh, uh, Anybody, this could this could happen to you, this this you don't have to get a letter Sending you to Hogwarts. You don't have to be born a mutant. You don't have to be special or chosen. Or because everybody, everybody, is something, you know. Um, and, uh, and you know, my characters tend to be um, relatively competent, relatively fit, um, but uh, but they're not they're not Superman. They're not, uh, not even yeah, instead of,
1: instead of having a situation where, you know, this is, uh, these are feats that only could be completed by you because of your special abilities. It's an ordinary man situation where, okay, you're in an extraordinary situation and let's find out how someone of your character deals with that situation because it's, you're not here because your character, but what you, how you resolve the story is based on that character. Is that fair?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I'm uh, making any sense at all. Yeah, no. Raleigh's talking about the the chosen one and the hero's journey, um, and uh, and that's a good point. Is that uh, um, it goes back to to kind of uh, kind of making adventure the exclusive uh, property of the hero. Well, you know. A hero is just somebody who ducks at the right time when the bullets start flying. You know, um anybody anybody can be a hero. And and of course the corollary right to that is anybody can be a villain too. Um the um now in this particular connect, collection my antagonists are largely supernatural creatures, but not always, not always. Um I've got a, a, a straight crime story that um, <clears throat> it's just when when the, the the when the bell rings and you come out of your corner swinging, that's what matters. That's what uh, uh, can you can you go the distance or not? And uh, and none of us wanted to know that. Um, um
1: so let's get a taste uh i uh have understood or i I asked before the show if there's an excerpt or something that you would like to read out of it to get us a better feel for what's in there have you selected something
2: um yeah i'm gonna go with this one um it's, uh, it's called Letters from the Front. It's a poem, and it is the, the front piece to uh, my story, The Summer of Love, which if anybody out there has uh, read um, uh, Dual Visions, is one of the, the ones that was originally published in Dual Visions. <clears throat> but anyway, here we go. <clears throat> Letters from the Front. Pass your letters down the line, boys. Pass your letters back. The quartermaster hefted the great and greasy sack. We'll send them back to base HQ and they'll send them home from there. The quartermaster's words were soft and scarce disturbed the air. If you don't know what to write, the sergeant's voice was also low. Start out with, I love you. That's always apropos. You can say that we're advancing, but you can't say where to. Not that we know anyway, muttered someone in the crew. Is mail call finished, asked the captain as he stood before the ranks. Seal your letters, send them off with an appointment with some tanks. We want them safely on the train before the foe begins to shell. We're skipping lunch today, boys. Tonight we feast in hell.
1: Mm. That's delightfully dark. Thank
2: you for sharing. But that's the kind of thing. And, and you know, I, I've got uh, poetry is also something that should belong to everybody. Um, the idea that uh, that it's some sort of rarefied art form only available to people with an MFA degree. Um, that's that's nonsense. That's it used to be working man's art and uh, and it should be again, you know, um, Sure, Byron was a lord of the realm, but Keats was a medical student, you know. Um, Coleridge was, nobody's quite sure what Coleridge was, but he was certainly it. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, it, it's art belongs to everybody. Art is not something that uh it's it's a basic human need like food or water you know it's not just you know consuming it and creating it and and the the i think the worst thing that has happened to uh modern western civilization is the idea that people need somebody's permission to create art that uh that you have to have an official authority say, yes, you are qualified to make art, you know, um, whether that's, you know, a publisher or, or a university or, you know, a reviewer at the New York review of books or whatever Um, the heck with those people Um, do it and, and do what you like. And, and read what you like and watch what you like and make what you like. And, and, you know, pick up a pen, pick up a piece of paper and just do it. The, 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 the time is now today, the, what is today? The 6th of August, 2022. If you've been waiting for a sign from God to tell you that you need to be creating art, this is it. I am speaking ex cathedra here. (laughs) do it now <laughs> there is no tomorrow there is no later get it done so I
1: I love it I love it stop <laughs> worrying about stop worrying about your uh, Instagram and your YouTube views and what other people think about it or or stop worrying about being bad because first of all you are bad second of all nobody cares uh, so do it. <laughs>
2: Yeah. And, and the only way to get better is to to keep doing it. And, and, you know, I am in three days, I'm going to be 59 years old. And um, I have been writing since I could hold a pencil. Uh, probably I wrote my first stories when I was five or six. So um, it takes a long time. And that's another thing that I keep, keep harping on is that, uh, you know, it's not so much right every day as right every year. You know, it's going to uh, it's going to take time. There are people who um, are really talented, really young. Um, you know, Edna St. Vincent Millay, who I just am ah, absolutely in love with, but um, you know, wrote incredibly fantastic stuff. She she posed published, uh, published Renaissance in when she was like 18 and the publisher didn't believe that she had really written it. Um, Mm. uh, but for most of us, you got to write a lot of bad stuff, but the good news is you keep doing it and the bad stuff gets better. Um, but the only way there's no way, no way around it, except through it. The only way to do it is to do it. Um, and and that means putting in the hours and putting in the time and sitting there at your desk with a pencil in your hand when you'd rather be someplace else.
1: Amen. Uh, Just like anything in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love it. And, and I think it's great that you're getting the support and recognition for all your hard work by having uh, this book out. And I hope everybody grabs it and enjoys it. We are now into extra innings or bonus time or sudden death, depending on your sports metaphor of choice. Um, so let's open it up. Daddy Warpig, any questions or anything you have for Misha? Anything from the chat? If you've got a question, type it now. It's your last chance.
0: I uh, I just want to say that I, I'm really looking forward to the book because I think the idea is intriguing. And just describing the story about the alarm in the basement, that sounds awesome. That sounds like a story I want to read right now. So no, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, that's one of the better pitches we've had on the show.
2: Oh, well okay.
0: that's one of the things we've learned during the show is that most writers don't they don't think in terms of like Making their stories or books sound appealing, they they, it's a they do skill, a lot, isn't it? yeah. They do a lot with, like, hey, here's the ideas I was having that made me think of writing this story. Which you know, once people are interested in your book or have read your book, uh, and are kind of fans of it, yeah, that's something they're interested in, but. You know, when you're doing a Kickstarter or when you're trying to get people to buy your book, that's not necessarily what they're looking for. What 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 they're looking for is something that makes them think, "Oh, that sounds cool. That's tantalizing. That's alluring. That draws me in." They want a little bit of that fairy glamour, right? That that shiny stuff sprinkled on the book that makes them want to read it. And uh, yeah. See, that's what your description of your story. And maybe that was just a bare description in, you, in your mind when you were saying it. But that's still, you know, that's still something cool. It it, it opened up a mystery. It made it seem uh, interesting. And, and I wish more people who came on the show would do that, make their books seem intriguing
2: so that you'd
0: want to read them.
2: I've got actually. Uh, Raleigh's got another question that he came up about GPS relationships to your stories, and I've got a section from that particular story that I want to uh, I want to read in answer to his question. Okay, which is um, the little bit of background. This is this is Eddie, and Eddie just got woken up at a call in the middle of the night to go into your a job. Um, he was fully awake by the time he turned on the radio on his truck and lit a cigarette. He found the call address in his map book. Eddie didn't Ed, Eddie liked map didn't like map apps. He didn't trust them. He liked his old utility company map book, damn it. And it annoyed him that new editions were getting tough to find these days. One big EMP in half the country would starve trying to find their way to the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel about GPS's. I'm, I'm old school. I mean, I, I've been a road service tech since the middle 1980s. And, you know, you had, you you had the Laclede gas map book on the seat next to you. And, uh, and, you know, you got to where you could use your cell phone and the map book and, and eat a sandwich and drive all at the same time. Um, What aspects does your setting rip off from others? Um,
1: <laughs> Great question from Fiona Wolf in the chat.
2: Yeah. Um, uh, actually, I have one that is that is blatantly a rip off of, of Lovecraft's uh, story, uh, The Shadow of Rainsmouth. And it's, uh, it's not really a spoiler to give that away. It's pretty much obvious from the onset. Uh, what it is, uh, which is is probably the happiest story in this collection, interestingly enough, um, because, um, you know, when I read The Shadow of Wren's Mouth, the, the ending where, you know, we're going to go and dynamite the reef and kill all the, the deep ones. I'm like, why? What are they doing? They're just wanting to live the Thomas Guides. yes, Thomas Guides rock. Um, they just want to live their life and, and go into the sea when they get old. So I wanted to write a story about a deep one who is OK with being a deep one. You know, I mean, he's just living his ordinary. Of course, he's an electrician because everybody writes an electrician. But uh, but, you know, it's it's like what if you if you took that story and wrote it from the point of view of somebody who grew up in Innsmouth? And um, and just kind of resigned himself to it, you know. Um, so yeah, that would one's ripped off. Um, my last story in the collection, "The Lord is the happiest." Yeah, that is kind of the happiest. Um, the uh, the Lord of Slow Candles. I didn't rip off a specific setting, but I ripped off a a style of writing. Uh, that is my attempt to write a um, a Tim Powers style story um, where where I, I took a homeless bag lady that hangs around the convenience store in the middle of the night and buys things with change. And I thought to myself, um, what if everything that she does that looks really weird to ordinary people actually makes sense from her perspective? What if there's a rational reason why she pays with change? What if there's a, a logical explanation for wearing 16 layers of clothes, you know? Um, so uh, so there's that. Um, awesome. Uh, got another one, A Cup of Kindness, that's a ripoff of um, A Christmas Carol except it's set at uh new year's eve instead of christmas um so yeah i I, i've got all kinds of influences
1: (laughs) i'm looking forward to it i think we're out of questions now so i think we'll leave it for today uh really appreciate you coming on misha great to talk to you again um i love seeing what you are up to and i do Pray for the success of uh, the Kickstarter, which is already finished, and I hope uh, I have a lot more people check it out. Um,
2: I I would love for it to get to the point where the the souvenir keychains are are matched as a stretch goal, but that's <laughs> eight thousand, and it's only running till like next Tuesday, so that's well. All bad. right, we'll we'll find another few
1: thousand. And <laughs> we can yeah. have keychains. Maybe we'll have to do that independently.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, not just, uh, um, and I always want to say one last thing, and then I'll shut up, I promise, is that, is that, you know, I don't, I don't like saying support me because I'm an independent, you know, or support me because, you know, I need the money or, you know, my cat needs food or whatever, you know, um, I think I, I honestly believe that it's good value. I honestly believe that, that you'll get what you pay for. And then some, if I didn't, I wouldn't have published it. So there I'm done.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for the extra pitch. Uh, Daddy Warpig, thanks so much for being uh, the best co-host in the podcast business. Um, And I'm done for this week. So please last thoughts, take it away. All right. Well, um,
0: Obviously, we want to thank everybody who came and listened and uh, participated in the chat, uh, all of the unusually intelligent people uh, who are our audience, and we want to thank everyone who will listen later. You can get our show just about every week at 2 p.m. Eastern, eleven a.m. Pacific on youtube.com slash geekgab. That is youtube.com slash geekgab. And you can also catch us on the Google Play Store on SoundCloud.com and on the Apple iTunes Store. So you can download us on the device of your choice or listen to us on your web browser or just download us to your computer. We uh, are signing out for today, folks. But don't you worry. Don't
1: you fret. We will be back.